a lot of common proverbs that aren't from the Bible, but, but are obviously based on biblical truth. Uh, for example, you've probably heard the proverb that says, actions uh, speak louder than words. I mean, you know, the meaning of that is, is very clear. What, what you do is far more powerful and important than what you say. And of course, there'd be many verses that uh, would uh, verify or teach that truth from Scripture, such as James 2.15 and 16. It says, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? It is what you do, not what you say, that really counts, that makes the difference. Another common proverb I'm sure you've heard, don't judge a book by its cover. And again, as is the case, uh, uh, and it's supposed to be the case with Proverbs, the meaning is very simple. Just as you can't tell how good or bad a book might be simply based on what the cover looks like, you can't know a person's heart from their appearance. The prophet Samuel found that out when God sent him to anoint a new king for Israel. He went to the home of Jesse, and Jesse had a bunch of sons, and Samuel saw the oldest son, tall, good-looking guy, and he said, oh, this must be the man. But Samuel 16, 7 says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for God sees not as a man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Don't judge a book by its cover. Here's another common one. You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Pretty simple concept, right? It's easier and better and more productive to be sweet and nice than it is to be caustic and harsh. Uh, And that truth uh, applies directly to us as individuals and as a church, as we desire to be on mission here in Hot Springs. And again, there'd be a lot of places in Scripture that would back that up in every area of life, but one place in particular that would tie it directly into our theme of being on mission, Romans chapter 2, verse 4. If you grab your Bible and and open up to that, we're just looking at one verse this morning. Verse 4 says this, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the opportunities we've had this morning to worship together. We thank you how uh, we um, are, have brothers and sisters, not just here in this church or even in this community, but around the world as we've been able to share with Pastor Jose and Jason and and the bond that we can share because of Christ in that. But now, God, as we, we look into your word, we pray you would challenge us and encourage us, strengthen us, and motivate us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the uh, questions that was raised in the Outflow book that, that our uh, different adult small groups are doing right now uh, was a question having to deal with the perception of Christians in this country. How do you think Christians are viewed or perceived in the United States in, in general? Um, Obviously, the answer would vary greatly from one part of the country to the next and, and even from person to person in the same region. But in, in, in terms of an overall opinion, 
uh, do you think Christians are seen in a positive light or a negative one? Now, it wouldn't have been too many decades ago that the answer would have been overwhelmingly positive, right? I mean, if you were a Christian, then that meant you were a good person, uh, good for society, good for the country overall. And some words, common words that might have been used to describe Christians back then would have been things like a moral person, clean living, law-abiding citizen, uh, trustworthy, honest, uh, that type of thing. But I'm not so certain that that would be the same way anymore. Not necessarily because Christians are any less trustworthy and honest and good law-abiding citizens than they used to be, but because the moral mood of the country has changed so dramatically. And so now I think a lot of common words used to describe Christians in this country might include things like hypocrite, bigoted, narrow-minded, out of touch, hateful, an impediment to progress, uncaring about social ills or justice. Would you agree with that? You know, some of that's probably due to several high-profile cases of failure on the part of proclaimed Christians, you know, whether that would be you know, pedophile priests or sexually immoral pastors or flamboyant TV preachers sucking money out of widows on fixed income while they live this uh, luxurious lifestyle. But, of course, perception does not necessarily coincide with reality. I mean, if you look at the facts and the stats, Christians are often the very first to step up and the most generous to help in times of need or crisis in this country. And generally speaking, Christians can be counted on to be honest, law-abiding citizens, right? But it's the perception that we have to deal with as we go about being on mission here in Hot Springs. So what do people here think about Christians? And maybe just as important as that question would be, why do they think that? And here's the thing. Uh, unfortunately, the, whatever the general perception of towards Christians is also going to bleed over into what these people believe about God. If there's a negative view of Christians, chances are pretty good that there's going to be a negative view towards God. If there's a negative view, and I'm guessing all of us have come across co-workers, friends, neighbors, classmates, others in town who do have a negative view of Christians, why do they have that view? Where'd that come from? I'm sure there's a hundred different reasons and stories from a hundred different people, right? But I think the vast majority of them can be focused down, sunk, sunk down into two different categories. One is hurt or disappointment with God because He didn't meet their expectations. You probably know what I'm talking about. It would be the person who said, I I tried. I tried Christianity. I tried praying. I tried going to church when my mom got cancer, but, you know, she died anyway, so it didn't work. So uh, now... That person is angry or upset or just disillusioned with God and doesn't want to have anything to do with him or, or the church or Christians. And he want that position because God didn't do what that person wanted him to do. And the second reason I think there's a negative view is based on having a bad experience with another Christian 
or church. I mean, this would be the person who was burned or beaten down or betrayed or otherwise harmed by someone claiming to be a Christian. Again, either individually or sometimes collectively, a whole church hurt them. And whatever the case, they've been hurt and therefore they have decided that it's all a sham, that they don't want to uh, have anything to do with it. And I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of people tell me why they don't believe in God or why they don't go to church. And it almost always fits into one of those two categories. And perhaps you've recognized a similar thing. Whatever the case, either case, that person would be answering in an affirmative concerning the question that is posed in Romans 2.4, right? Or do you think lightly? of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience. Uh, The Greek word translated think lightly literally means to underestimate the true value of something. And the emphasis in this verse is on the kindness of God. That's what they're really underestimating. And we know it's the emphasis on the kindness because that's the one word that is repeated in the second half of the verse. And and we'll get that in, in a few minutes. Uh, But this also mentions that they're undervaluing the tolerance and patience of God as well. I think we all understand what the word kindness means, right? It means to be good, caring, thoughtful, you know, that type of thing. But getting a a right definition of the word tolerance can be a little bit tougher uh, because its meaning has so dramatically changed even just in the last decade here in the United States. Uh, Right now, if you ask people what it means to be tolerant, Uh, they say that means that you have to accept as being valid another person's position, uh, whether that be in behavior or belief. To be tolerant to them means that you have to agree with it, whatever it would be, that it is okay, or at least that it's okay for them. However, That's not the traditional definition or understanding of the word tolerance. Webster's Dictionary defines it like this. It's to permit, to endure without repugnance, or to put up with. That's what it means to to tolerate. Nothing in there about having to agree with or accept it as good or valid. You're just enduring or putting up with it. Kind of like going to the uh, the dentist, you know, to get the cavity taken care of. I don't know of anyone who enjoys getting all those Novocaine shots, but you tolerate it, you put up with it uh, because of the end results. And the reality is God is remarkably tolerant with us. And, And when I say us, I don't simply mean us as in Christians, but us as humans, right? God is tolerant of people and not just tolerant for a short period of time. It's not like he puts up with our failures and sins and foibles for a little bit, and then after a while, uh, that, that switches gears, and he says, okay, that's it, I've had enough, I can't stand it any longer, you're all a bunch of losers, and I'm not going to have anything to do with you. God doesn't do that. The verse says that he, he endures, he's tolerant, but he's also patient, which means that he endures for the long haul. That's why a lot of your older translations of the Bible, like the King James Version, for instance, would translate that word patience as what? How many of you? There you go. A few of you know your King James. Long-suffering. It might be suffering to put up with this other person, but you're going to do it for a long time because you're patient. Uh, That's really what it means, and that's the way God is for us. And yet all of this, God's kindness, His tolerance, 
his patience, people take it lightly. God is good, and he shows his kindness to this world repeatedly. During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus admonished his followers to love even their enemies. And he says, when, you, when you're showing love, this practical, real love to even your enemies, you're taking on the character of God because that is what God does. He went on to explain, for God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And we, we know and we understand that the reality is every breath that a person takes, every mouthful of food that they enjoy, every benefit that they experience is because of the kindness of God. God's the only source of all that is good, so anything that is worthwhile comes from His hand. But people greatly undervalue that truth, undervalue the, the kindness of God. They take it lightly. They brush it off as if it's not real or doesn't exist. And that's a shame because the second half of the verse gives the purpose for why God is being tolerant and patient and showing His kindness to this world. It says, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. But instead of kneeling before God in gratitude and repentance, very often people spurn or reject him. And yet the truth is, God continues to give gifts of kindness and is still patient, continues to be patient with people. As the Apostle Peter said, a man who knew the importance of uh, experiencing God's patience, right? He said, the Lord is not slow about his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God knows. He knows that not everyone is going to come to that point of repentance, but he is patient anyways to keep giving that opportunity for some more to come. So now, what does this all mean for us this morning as as we're been focusing these last several weeks at being on mission here in Hot Springs? Well, first of all, I think it's a good reminder for us that God is the one who is at work, right? He is, he is the one continuing to do the things to draw people to Himself. And I think that should be very encouraging for us. I mean, it makes it far easier for me to think about being on mission and, and focus on it, knowing that God is the one going before it. He is also on mission and working in people's hearts and lives before me. But I think the main point that we should take home from this is this. Guess who God wants to use in order to show His kindness, tolerance, and patience to a sinful world. Me and you. The last few weeks, we've been talking about building bridges to those who need to know Jesus. And I understand, and I, and I get it, that, that the reality is it's much easier and far more comfortable to enjoy the relationships and the fellowships we have with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And believe me, I, I know that that's an important thing. It's something we need to do as a regular part of our schedule. It's the best way, one of the primary ways that we uh, grow and, and are re-energized and, and receive encouragement and, and support to stay stable in our Christian life. We need that fellowship with other believers. The Bible emphasizes that over and over again. But to be on mission, 
which we are all called to do, there must also be times where we move out of our comfort zone and purposefully and intentionally build bridges and relationships with non-believers because how else are they going to find out that God really does love them and that God truly is kind? I mean, think of the people that you might know that have a negative negative perception of God or Christians. How is that perception going to change in their life? Most likely, it is not going to happen just because someone tells them, hey, did you know that God is love? Or tells them that, hey, most Christians are really pretty nice. See, it's going to happen. That perception will change because they experience God's love through Christians in practical and real ways. That's the only way someone's negative perception is really going to change. And experiencing God's kindness in a hurting and broken world, according to Romans 2.4 here, is the main method that God uses to lead people to repentance. So one of the things that we can do to be on mission is to creatively look for ways to practically share God's kindness and His love during our everyday activities, our normal interactions with people in this community. And that's really been one of the best things about our our BLTs, our adult small group studies, doing the outflow. I mean, there are a ton of different examples and suggestions and ideas uh, about how a person can do that. Stories on how showing God's love and kindness has impacted people in real life. Things like, just as one example, buying a, a meal for a perfect stranger who's in line behind you at the drive-thru. You know, by the time you get up to your window to pick up your stuff, they've already taken the order of the person behind you and they know what the total is. And so one of the aspects of showing God's kindness, they said, was take that opportunity to buy that meal for that person. And, and, and they suggest having a card. You know, you've got to think about this stuff in advance, plan for it. Take a little three-by-five card and, and then write something on it like... Um, Uh, just wanted you to experience God's love in a practical way. Have a blessed day. Have this this meal on me. You know, not your name, not anything else. You're just doing it in God's name, not your own name. But now uh, you've connected that, that act of kindness directly to God and His blessing in their life. Being Nice and helpful to people is good, but I think we are called for far more than just being nice. It would be a nice gesture to just pay for somebody's meal, but, but we're called to more than that. See, the only way we can actually fling a seed of the gospel out there uh, to these people that we would serve or show this kindness to is that they would know the connection, the motivation for our act of kindness comes from God. We are being kind and generous because it is a reflection of the kindness and generosity of the God that we love and serve. And that means us getting used to the idea of saying statements that bring God into the conversation, but giving Him the credit for what we do. 
and for these acts of kindness. And again, just a quick example of that. If you see someone struggling uh, with something and you go to help them out and they say, thank you, how do you respond? Right? If you um, just say something, oh, no problem, I, I thought it looked like you could use a little help. Well, you did a good deed, right? You, you were nice. But they have no obvious way to connect that with God or with your faith. But if instead you would say something like, hey, no problem, it's just my way of sharing God's love with you. Have a blessed day. Now you did basically the same thing, only who got the credit? God gets the credit. And now you've planted a seed. Now this person can connect that act of kindness with your relationship and your faith in God. So according to our verse in Romans, God wants to use His kindness to lead people to repentance. And we, as His children, have an awesome opportunity to be conduits of that kindness. But again, just the same way as as we've looked in in previous sermons on this, it's something that we have to set our mind to do. It's something we have to plan on, to be intentional about, or it probably won't happen. So what are some of the ways that you can show God's love and kindness and generosity to hot springs. And and maybe you think, oh, that's too overwhelming. I can't think of the whole community of hot springs. What am I going to do? Okay, what are you going to do to show God's love and kindness to your neighbor, to a coworker, to a classmate? or to the waitress, or the cashier. See, it might, might cost you some money. Definitely going to cost you a little bit of effort and planning. But I really can't think of a better place to invest your money than in the kingdom of God. Are we willing to use the resources God has given us? Energy, time, finances? to show the kindness of God to a hurting and broken world so that they might know that there's a God who loves them. If you're looking for practical ways to get started in this, each of the adult small groups are planning events or activities, special ways that we can do this to to connect with people in our community and show them that love and kindness. I mentioned before that Nick and and Jake's group uh, is planning a fall festival. There's a sign-up sheet in there. They need volunteers and helpers. There's a practical, easy way for you to get started right there. Or talk to one of the people in the other groups and find out what they're doing. And you say, well, I don't know who's in the other groups. Well, here's here's an easy way. If you're in one of the uh, uh, BLTs that are meeting and doing the outflows, would you stand up right now? All right, so now you can talk. You can sit that down. That's just, just a quick one. Talk to one of them. What's your group doing? Can I be part of it? What's going on? Practical ways to get started. Maybe, you know, it's always better to do it in a group. You got support and encouragement that way. But you might want to do some things on your own. And in the pass-through, there's a book there called 101 Ways to Reach Your Community. You could flip through that and it gives you all kinds of ideas. How can I practically show God's kindness, His love, to the people I connect with here in Hot Springs.
Because when they experience God's love through you, that's what's going to change their negative perception of Christians, of God. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you that you have given us this easy concept and idea of ways to be on mission for you. God, we want to show this world who you are. And that means showing with tolerance and patience your kindness and love to this world. So God, help us to to think about ways we can do that, to practically be motivated and, and make an effort to put that into our daily, weekly schedule that you would be the one getting the glory and the honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.